Hi everyone, and welcome back to uh, Joey's Australian Adventure, because I'm here with my third Australian band on the Heavy Matters podcast, and this week I am talking to uh, Burial Pit, and it is a Burial Pit Bukaki party. I have got <laughs> Jack, Jack, guitarist Jack, bassist Matt, and the drummer Adrian, so I'm very much outnumbered. Um but very, very, very much looking forward to uh, sitting down and chatting to you boys. Welcome to the Heavy Matters podcast, guys. Thank you for taking the time out to join me. Um, there's three of you, so you're going to have to do whatever you want to do and speak at the same time. Jump or... in. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, man. No yeah, thank you. This is great. The uh, I'm really, really enjoying these um, Australian uh, interviews because I've discovered so much good stuff from Australia, um, so much good music, and we'll get into that as the interview progresses, but um, I'm re- I really do look forward to these. So thanks for joining me. Um, <clears throat> you guys from Sydney, uh, Australia, and you're described as violent sludge. Is that fitting for your sound? Yeah, well, I think Matt uh, Matt actually coined that phrase, <laughs> which I think was perfect. Um, yeah, it started like it was kind of a combination, I thought, of uh, death, sludge and doom. Um, and it just kind of got heavier and heavier as it, as it went on from my first ideas to when we started making music. And then, uh, uh, yeah, Matt came up with that to really, I guess, summarize. And I think he, he nailed it, especially once Scotty gets in, got particularly violent. Do, uh, do you think that term would potentially put off people listening to, uh, the music? <laughs> I, I mean, if the ter- if the term doesn't, the music definitely will put them off. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. If anyone is put off by that title, it's probably saved them a bit of agony to come. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually it's so, when 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 I'm at family gatherings and um, people ask what our music is like. I don't know why the the name burial pit doesn't describe it enough, but just to get the point across, I, ha- I have to say, you know, we're violent sludge, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's always great when, uh, like, for example, my mum might say, oh, what, what's that you're listening to? And I go, oh, it's so-and-so. And what are they like? And you're like, mum, it doesn't matter what I describe. <laughs> you're not going to like it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You certainly won't like Rotting Christ. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. um, we usually just get the like, oh, is it is it Screamo? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. That'll do. It's, Are you that heavy is the most... Metallica? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I listen to all sorts. Oh, do you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anal cunt? Are you a fan of them? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're. Um, uh, album Subhuman Scum uh, was released in 2021. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. May, May last year. Yeah. yeah, May last year. Okay, wow, that was early. I thought it was a lot, le- a lot later in the um, in the year, but that's probably because I only heard about you guys to the latter end of the year. So May 21. Um, do you? Okay, first of all, how well was it received in your home country? And two. Have you any idea how well received it was outside of Australia? I think within the country, Matt can probably speak better to outside because he's the stats man and he sees what uh, 
all the streaming apps tell you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think uh, locally, pretty good, man. Like as soon as we played kind of our first show, I think we started, um, we hadn't really found our scene yet, I'd say. Like we were playing with kind of stoner, doom, all great bands, but more like stoner, doom bills and like psych, other kind of doom bands and stuff. And then we were coming on and people were just like, fucking hell. Um, (laughs) so I think the initial reception was just that kind of like fuck Um, which is kind of the the best compliment you can get I think like when when you see people laughing like not in a mean way but when you kind of get into a certain riff and people just start laughing I think that's when I think that's kind of the best compliment you can get you can can sort of you can see people sort of going oh fuck off (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah so the live show's got that and then um yeah once the album came out yeah i think people yeah responded really well to it we started getting pretty decent kind of gig offers pretty quickly and i think it was kind of a, a bit different to what other guys were doing i guess without turning like a wanker but i think just that kind of combination of uh yeah those kind of death vocals and the doomy sludge wasn't heaps going on, at least in the Sydney scene. So, yeah, I think it went pretty well. But Sullivan knows the the stats. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. You obviously, see, like um, when when the album was released, you know, there, there was quite a few people listening in Germany, quite a few in the UK. Um, but outside of that, it's kind of hard to it's hard to gauge. We we don't. I guess the label handles all of the uh, record sales, and we don't really see too much of you know, where they're going. Although he did tell me once that there was quite a few going to Europe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of been difficult as well because I uh, suppose after we launched, obviously everything that's been going on the last year and a half, uh, we really only got to play one show for like the launch tour. We cancelled, I can't remember, was it like six shows, seven shows we cancelled in the end? Yeah, over a couple of months, it was just back to back to back, cancelling yeah. everything. So it definitely felt like the momentum was building and then it all just got cut off again because it, we, I guess we launched the album in between lockdowns, uh, which was bold, I suppose, in hindsight. <laughs> it was kind um, of that optimistic time when everyone was yeah. like, out of it, it's all good. And then uh, we had the Melbourne launch planned and two days before the Melbourne launch, they went into lockdown. And then I think a few, a couple of days after our Sydney one, uh, Sydney went into lockdown, so we just did that one show. There's, yeah. there's never a good time, like in this in this situation, which is something we've never experienced before. There's never going to be a good time to sort of time a release at the moment, is that? It's just um, so many bands have been sat on material, like potentially from 2019, where they're like, we're going to release it in 2020, and then we're going to tour it. They had all these massive plans, but it's just not feasible at the moment that you can't sit in an album for three years because you're going to be going to the next cycle of, do you know what I yeah, mean? So it must, yeah, be, it must be a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I think Jack can speak more to that because even before we'd recorded these songs, I mean, you've had these songs for quite a while, yeah. even before the band was a band, right? Yeah. So it feels like a fucking lifetime for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Cause we, we've been talking about that. Cause we've got like, um, you know, we've got a bunch of material ready to lay down. But then at the same time, we're like, do we want to put out another album when we've, when we've only played one show off the first one? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot with no one listens to the other one. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, generally, uh, we had pretty positive feedback, I say. I assume they're flying off the shelves. <laughs> By time <it> turns exactly <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and and uh, Matt, I assume when you're saying you... Uh, saw like people in Germany, et cetera, et cetera, listening to it. Are you going by streaming stats now or are you going yeah. by physicals? Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, <clears throat> I mean, all of our digital stuff is handled through that distributor distro kid, which is kind of like if you're an independent label, they will manage all of your digital releases. Um, yeah. And I mean, you can just kind of get, I think, weekly or monthly reports from them as to where the, where the listens are happening. Um, and then obviously Bandcamp's pretty uh, transparent with their, you can actually see like, you know, if your tracks were embedded somewhere on a website, you can see where they were embedded and okay. you get a bit more visibility with that kind of thing. Okay. Um, Adrian, I'm going to put this question to you because you've been sat there quietly sipping on your rosé. Um, in, in terms of um, streaming these days versus physical, obviously streaming is huge now we all know that artists don't get the money that they should do and this is a big thing um and we try we we push to get people to buy physical uh, on this show and support the artists on the flip side do you think streaming is a good tool for discovering new music or are you an avid hater of streaming I, I, me personally, I've discovered a lot of bands that I had absolutely no idea about from streaming. And, uh, you know, when you, you might listen to a band and then set up a, a station based on that band and it'll just spit out a bunch of stuff similar. So I've, I've found a lot of stuff that way. I, like since um, streaming kind of became a thing in the last, I guess probably seven or eight years now, maybe. <clears throat> and um, but one one thing I think we probably should do as a band <laughs> to try and cash in on the whole streaming thing is split our songs up into one song per riff <laughs> <laughs> instead of uh, hope, hoping that people will listen to a nine minute song. Just we, have uh, ninety ten <laughs> second songs. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I think I think there's um, Matt. Were you saying? Uh, so two of the tracks on our record are kind of ambient or intro tracks. Sub Subhuman and Scum are both yep. ambient tracks. So sorry, sometimes ambient. that you, you mean less violent than the actual track. Yes, less violent. <laughs> Let's not use the word ambient and burial pit together, right? That doesn't work. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Depends what I you like, mean, I suppose. I mean, no drum, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah. You know, it's just when yeah, Adrian's not on the track. <clears throat> it's just whatever whatever that is. <laughs> not, not Griff. Yeah, not um, Griff. Yeah, so there was um, something was happening where was it the sub subhuman the the instrument uh, well you know whatever it's called track was ending up in suggested songs so people yeah. were kind of going oh this violent sludge band it's but it's kind of like not not it's just drone kind of yeah yeah for whatever reason the 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 algorithm gods um, upvoted it into some release Spotify curated playlist but then it was like well fuck. They're going to listen to that. That's not going to attract anyone to the band. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. 
Oh, cool. Priest chanting? Amazing. This sounds great. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's any way, anything that makes it easier to get your music out there. And, like, there's people in um, countries that 10, 20 years ago just wouldn't have had, even the local record store wouldn't have, there's no way we'd be able to get our music there, like, um, and it's just, it, in some ways it's harder because there's just so much more going on, but at the same time, it's so much easier for people to find stuff and, and the more specific tastes, the, the more stuff that, that's out there, the more specific tastes get developed and yeah. I mean, if this, if this, if we were in this situation 20 years ago, well, we probably wouldn't have this technology and that, but like if someone said, oh, you need to check out this band, Burial Pit Australia, I would have to probably go to my local record store, get them to order the album from whatever record label. It would take months to get here. Whereas now, like when I found you guys, I was like, right, Spotify. So in that regard, it's really good. <clears throat> On the flip side, and this is sort of just <clears throat> a conversation. Or, um, there is so much music at your fingertips now that it's it can be overwhelming. And you go on social media, uh, let's say Twitter, for example. I could go on Twitter this morning and I'd have people saying, check this out, check this out. There's just not enough hours in the day to listen to all this music. So there's a bit of a flip side. I think the main yeah. thing of those is... Um, what we like I said, like what we try and do on this show is we try and promote bands and to get them to people to buy physical or go to shows, go to merch, you know, put your money where your mouth is. If you like a band, is to go and support them because you know, especially underground bands, you know, the likes of Metallica, Maiden, you know, they're they could not tour again and they'd be set for life, but the underground bands especially need so much support by people going to gigs and things like that. So anyway, that was just more of a uh, closing statement on the uh, the whole streaming thing. So I apologise if I went a bit off uh, off tangent then. Um, so uh, do you guys have PR? Do you use PR for um, the band? Well, yes. Sorry, not, yeah. not, not as, well, I was going to say just not <coughs> as a, it's not like an, an ongoing thing that we do. It's I, I guess we I don't know how it album. works. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. For the for the album, we used a PR company that helped us get our um, like get the announcement of the new record and launch it on different websites and um, hook up interviews and stuff like that. But which um, which company was that? Of interest, Cult Etiquette. They're an Australian company that. Okay. It's a singer from. Um, that's Ryan, right? Black Reno. Black Reno. Yeah. 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 yeah they're, they're like a two piece, uh, three piece. Uh, I don't know. What genre would you call them? Kind of. Groove metal. Groove know. metal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious because um, some bands go with PR and some bands don't. And I was just wondering if what the. Uh, the impact would be of having a PR company. Um, I think obviously in Australia, the scene's very good, but I would assume like, 
Yeah, that was definitely a griff noise. <laughs> go, go on, Adrian, please. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I've been in the c- different cities. I've just moved yeah. back to Melbourne recently, uh, and the Melbourne scene is very different to the Sydney scene. Not to say there's not heaps of good bands in all of them. Um, and but... I will say, like, for uh, for the, the scene that we've kind of fallen into for whatever reason, um, it's quite there's, – there's a small number of bands that – that we've played with in Sydney and that, and it's, it's so small, but like, it seems to be like a little pocket of bands that all kind of tend to play similar shows and um, stick together and support each other. Yeah. Share members. And it's basically one big band that's split into (laughs) different song styles. (laughs) Um. But the, the, coming back to the PR point was that I certainly, um, with me being in Europe, I didn't see this come onto radar. Now, whether I just, you know, my, my inbox is fairly flooded with uh, loads of stuff, but I try and listen to everything. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, this is one of the things I'm, I'm here to do is, like we said before the show, um, you know, I'm loving finding all the Australian bands and trying to promote it. But, um and that's sort of why, why I asked the question as well, Matt, on in terms of how many how well received the album was outside of um, Australia. Um, so yeah, no, the PR question was just like, do you think PR is worthwhile? Um, yeah, I mean, I, sorry, go, I, on, go on. No, I, I, I do think. I mean, we definitely saw. I suppose it was after we we engaged with with Cult Etiquette and they kind of helped with the promotion of the album. Yeah, we definitely saw, uh, I guess, listen, listeners and fans coming from, you know, much different parts of the world than what we were getting prior to that. So I think it was definitely an effective strategy. I think for Australian bands, and I don't know if you guys will agree, but Europe seems like such a daunting kind of market to to break into because we know that, you know, particularly with, with metal bands, <clears throat> Europe kind of just dominates in terms of the quality of, of music. So just knowing that there's such a concentrated amount of, of, I guess, of metal on that continent, we know it's quite daunting for, for Australian bands to crack into that market. Um, so I feel like if, if when bands do, it's kind of like, holy shit, like this is, <laughs> this is really cool, you know what I mean? Because I, I think we feel quite disconnected down here. Um, Particularly, you know, when, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about an album tour earlier, but for us, that might only be three or four shows, you know, um, unless you want to go really hardcore and play some regional towns. Um, otherwise, it's just, it's difficult. And, and that's, you know, even with those shows, that's flights and accommodation every weekend for a month just to play four shows, you know. Um, or, you could, or you could drive... Um, up the coast, which people, bands don't really do that as much anymore in Australia. It used to be more of a thing, I guess, driving from, say, Melbourne to Sydney to Brisbane and playing wherever in between. But there's just, I don't know, I don't even know if there's venues that would take a band like us. Like, you might, I don't think there's anywhere in between that we'd be playing. Yeah, no, it yeah, just yeah. takes fucking ages. Like truck, truck stops, and <laughs> yeah. 
sick That's basement rude. show happening in Lismore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I assume Lismore is a very isolated spot. <laughs> in terms of violent sludge, yes. Connemara <laughs> <laughs> like or something. Yeah. How did you? How did you actually hear about us? How did you first hear about us? Oh, Adrian spun the interview around. I actually heard about, I was um, interviewing lads uh, from Orb. Yep. Um, and um, I always ask a question, what band should I be checking out? And uh, they reeled you guys off. And uh, that's why I didn't hear in- until um, hear your album till late, because I think I only interviewed or maybe November, I think. Um but I mean, you're out. You're out, right? Okay. I don't know if you have listened. We did an end of year. We always do an end of year show. Myself and Benny, who we do the podcast with, and it's our top twenty albums. And your album, I think, was my number thirteen of twenty twenty one. Thank you, man. And, and I said, um, and I said at the time, if I'd have had more time to listen to it, it would have been a lot higher. Um, but like, I only discovered it late on, and that's why I was sort of saying about the PR and stuff in terms of, you know, yeah. breaking into Europe. I say breaking into Europe, but being sort of um, noticed in Europe. Yeah. That, no, I think I think from our perspective, it definitely feels like it's a it's a breaking in kind of scenario. Yeah. I mean, maybe Griff can speak more to that. You, you've toured Europe a couple of times now. Um, yeah, <clears throat> my my other band is on a label that's based in Germany. And uh, when we've done PR before, it's uh, it's it's kind of hard to gauge how effective it is. Like we we'll end up with a bunch of websites in Europe, sort of announcing that we're releasing an album, or if we've got a new clip coming out or something. Um, but it's sort of you don't really see like an announcement happen and then. A bump in sales. I'm sure if bigger bands would maybe be able to track something like that a bit more closely. But <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think for an underground band, like the cool thing is, like we're like <clears throat> the kind of music we're making. We're obviously not trying to, you know, make it or anything. <laughs> like the the point of what we're doing isn't to get any great international success or do anything like that. Um, but it's just fucking cool for people to hear your stuff and then tell you that they thought it was sick. So yeah, but at the same doing time, like any like, kind of PR, and then you get some dude in Serbia messaging you and being like, "Hey, man, this is awesome. I've bought all your stuff." Like, well, fuck, that's awesome. So I think PR, I think anything that can just get people listening yep, to your yep. stuff in places that they're definitely not going to listen to it otherwise. Oh, we're um, talking to you now. Like, that's mind blowing. Yeah, I think that we, <clears throat> when this started, it was I literally recorded. Well, Jack had had demos, and I happened to have my drum kit set up in this room, and I put down live drums on it, and then it kind of just snowballed. We sort of went, oh, maybe we should record something and put it out. So we we did that, and now we're you know <laughs> we've got a record. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. White Town that really gave us the push. I think we were happy to just kind yeah. of faff around with a few riffs and maybe play some shows, and then he uh, gave me a call and was like, "Man, I've just started this label." I want you guys on it to kind of kick it off. What do you think? And I'm like, fuck, man, 
<laughs> yeah, because that was that was really all that was really all we wanted with the recording, wasn't it? We were just like, hopefully, we can get this on vinyl. Like that'd be just cool to have that on vinyl, I guess. Yeah, for our own collection. So, so yeah, so that in itself was like probably as far as our expectations went was let's, <laughs> let's see if we can get this on vinyl, and then we we that's a victory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my vinyl. Actually, I ordered it through um, oh European store. Uh, that's the one that's the one it said it's been shipped so hopefully it should be here soon um nice i assume you you all signed it knowing that i was yeah uh, yeah yeah it's very fine yes, print, yes. but you'll find it there yeah, yeah. that's good that's going straight <laughs> up on discogs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no Saving i'm joking i fucking hate that stuff um <clears throat> excuse me um okay let's talk about the album bit then so you touched earlier on uh, the shorter tracks, Adrian described them as ambient, but that's that's wrong. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> They're quieter. They're less noisy. Um, no, but I think three of three of your tracks on uh, Supreme Scum are nine minutes long. Um, when you're recording, is it a conscious thing that you're right? We're going to write lengthier songs. Or is it you just sort of get into band practice and it just snowballs <clears> into, oh, let's add another section here, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, so I think Jack, sorry, Jack just sets a timer and then just plays until <laughs> the alarm goes off. That's why the riffs get smaller because he's like, oh, I need to fill 45 seconds here. Just, <laughs> we'll just kick this down another 10 BPM and we'll just drag it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never like um so we don't really jam it like i'm i'm not great at collaborating i must say <laughs> so, <laughs> generally um, Hor- horrible terrible. Um, that is correct yeah. <laughs> so i generally uh like I'll, I'll write i'll finish everything at home like demo it all and and then just kind of bring it to everyone and and we'll jam it out um I never, never try to write long songs. They just kind of, kind of go that way. I mean, I like to write slow songs, so that naturally means they're going to go for a little while. But I never, write, I never sit down the guitar. I'm like, right, let's go fucking ten minutes, because um, you know it's kind of hard to listen to songs for that long. But and I never really like. I literally just kind of put the riffs together, um, and until I feel like it's finished. And a lot of the time, like, I'll get, you know, I'll be like seven minutes in and think, fuck, this is long enough. But it just doesn't feel like the song, it doesn't sound like the end of a song to me. Um, it's just not there yet. So I just kind of keep on chugging <laughs> <laughs> until, uh, sadly, it ends up being fucking long. <laughs> and Adrian, in terms of, um, like, the drum parts, I assume Jack comes with riffs and then you come in and, I mean, I, I haven't listened to the album from a musical point of view listen to time signatures are you using four four like drum pan or are you i mean some bits like doom well, is notorious sorry go on i was gonna say like to be honest jack demos pretty much like well jack will send through a demo of the songs and i'm basically playing what he's programmed and just adding my like I might add some fills and okay, and it, and then it becomes a bit more like we'll drag out 
things to be a bit slower than than something that's to a click track or something. It um, just makes it better. Yeah. I think when I was originally doing them, it was a lot like because I uh, when I started late, I didn't know if I was going to play drums or guitar. Um, so a lot of the original demos, the drums are really really simple, just because I can't play any of the shit that Griff can play. And then once we started jamming him out, and he's just like fucking amazing. Uh, so the drums became a lot more complex on top. But generally, like I've kind of, uh, like I'll, I'll do like twenty versions of a song before I send it to the guys. So I've usually kind of got a pretty set idea of how I think each part should go. And then everyone just uh, sprinkles their little bit of magic on top. But yeah, there's, I, there's, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, there is 4-4, four, four, but there's, there's a lot of really weird stuff. Like, so when Jack would send through the demos, I would then, to learn them, I would put them into my software and sort of break them down so I can, figure out what basically because they're nine minutes long to try and remember it just all off the top of your head it's just i'm uh i've got, I've got i'm busy um <laughs> for, for a sludge band right for, for, for a band playing this sort of music now sludge is if we take it back like let's say electric wizard um for example just as a as band notoriously the riffs are repeated they're slow they're drawn out considering the type of music you play you guys seem very meticulous in writing your music yeah Yeah. i think like at the end of the day and i i think i can speak for everyone we just don't we don't want to have boring riffs or things that sound derivative or like obviously it sounds there's things in it that sound like other things, but th- when I'm listening to music, I, I don't want to, if anything that's sort of like a bit like, meh, it's like, uh, I just can't. And it's really hard to do stuff that's original and, and I, I think it's almost impossible to do stuff that hasn't been done before unless you kind of smashing a glass on your computer and then <laughs> screaming into a fork. so uh, please please can you do that for the next album yeah Yeah, i think like that's Uh, where i think because it's not like i wouldn't just call it a traditional sludge band or doom or anything that's where they kind of meld into other things because i listen to you know like a lot of death metal and a lot of uh, just like really even like hardcore stuff and a lot of harsh stuff. And um, I think like I don't listen to a lot of kind of nine minute songs that have two riffs. Um, And like when I first started writing it, I was listening to a lot of Primitive Man and Bong Ripper. How can they like Bong, they do obviously do it really well. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to try and write some shit like that. And I played the same riff a few times and I was like, to play, I'm fucking bored. <laughs> um, I just cut and I couldn't recreate. I'm like, this doesn't sound anywhere near as heavy as what they do because I don't think anything physically can. Um, yeah, so I just started, it just kind of naturally evolved to have more kind of grooves and things to keep people interested for that amount of time. I think I like it like when you get to the end of a song that that's, that's that long and you look at it and you're like, fuck, I like, 
I didn't feel like I was getting dragged through yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think I even from like a, a playing standpoint, all the rifts they progress a lot and they're quite interesting to play. You know, um, yeah. And obviously, there's some like pretty technical tremolo kind of parts that we all have to lock in. So it definitely keeps it interesting. You know, from a playing kind of perspective. And, and I suppose that's probably time... a co- sorry, you've gone. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, there's been times when we've been at rehearsal or, and all of us sort of figuring out how to play the songs as a band. And there's been parts where we're like, we all kind of agree that, that it's just not working or it's boring or it's going too long or something. And we'll just sort of stop for a bit and go, how can we just make this better? Keep we'll try a few different things and then no, usually we were wrong, it was already perfect. <laughs> Get out, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, um, uh, sorry, sorry I, I was going, <laughs> uh, I was going to go just quickly back to Matt and say that, um, I think the term violent sludge, then, from what you're saying with all the different you know elements of of the genre probably fits better instead of just a sludge band so i can sort of see why you did that now yeah i mean i yeah i i i suppose when i said that i didn't think anything of it i just thought it sounded appropriate i know when i first when jack first sent me the demos particularly in those really slow heavy bits where it's just kind of like you know one strum to me I, i could just hear like a i don't know like a hammer like I don't know, forging like a sword or something. I could just hear that. Like, fuck Scott's, it. Scott's voice is just. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And that's probably the, like after the small amount of shows we've played, like people will mainly come up and comment on how, like, who, like, who's that beast you have? Like, is at live, it's just next level how, and it, and it doesn't phase him. He's a big dude. He's a gentle giant. And but this noise that comes out of him is ridiculous. Like, yeah, even like when was- we were recording that first time, <clears throat> and I remember you, Jack. Like we were all kind of amazed because we hadn't, you know, it was kind of one of the first things we'd done together as a band was record, um, start recording. Well, we recorded demos before the album. Um, yeah, I just remember being in the studio watching him and he just kept going and it's just like his his vitality is incredible. Just And I remember you, Jack, saying, man, he can do this literally for hours. It's just like, holy fuck, this guy is like He's very unbelievable. Well, I was, I was sort of like thinking, I don't want him to like ruin his voice and I said something like, if you, if you need to have a break, just, you know, let us know. We've, we've got plenty of time. He's like, no, nah, I can... I can do this for hours. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Scotty, Scotty um, <clears throat> sings in Yano, Yano Mamo as well. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Because I was speaking to Jason, I think last week. Um, and again, he's like a, a sludgy doom style. And when I put the two of you together, uh, sorry, side by side, similar-ish music to an extent, Obviously, you're more of the extreme side. But when I listen to Scotty's vocals on Burial Pit, they're so visceral. And Yano Mamo is more, I don't know how to describe it, not not so visceral, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, like he, he really does add, you know, 
on top of the music, he really can absolutely. I, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say, but he absolutely nails everything on that and makes it sound. I suppose it gives it that sort of atmosphere, the additional atmosphere of his vocals. I think he what the really added the death metal element to it as well. Mm. Like if you listen to the first demo I did without his vocals, and it's very like, like almost like stoner doom, like more like that bong ripper type of stuff. And then he came in and immediately it was just like fucking death. (laughs) (laughs) I did the same thing. I was just pissing myself laughing. We were just in like, um, just in one of the rooms in my house with my partner next door and he's just fucking just screaming through the walls. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be fucking sick. Isn't it great? Right. You just, you just reminded me. Um, isn't it great when you listen to, and I'm just talking about you guys, I'm talking about a piece of music and you just laugh out loud to yourself at how good it is. I, I don't know if you've heard of a band called uh, Kardashev. They're from, um, from the States and they do this sort of uh, death gaze. But they've got this one riff at the end of um, their their uh, song called uh, Heartache. And I remember hearing the album for the first time and I was working from home. So I was on my own and I just heard this riff and I just laughed out loud to myself. And I was like, why is there no one else here to share this with? I just, it, it, like, music is just so good like that, isn't it? I like, think Lord, it shows um, to the hell. Oh, no, my God. That song is ridiculous. <laughs> That, um, the vocal. That last 30 seconds. Oh, my good God. That is absolutely (laughs) insane. Oh, man. Sorry. Music's great, isn't it? I suppose is what I'm saying. I just love it how you can put stuff on and, you know, you can laugh like that and just think, how the fuck is this happening? Like, how have they created this? Like, um, I mean, that happens with us sometimes at rehearsal, I find, that if we – when we play the songs together, yeah, we do generally play things a lot slower um, just to add a little bit more kind of tension, I suppose, a bit more pressure. And, yeah, I just remember some rehearsals and then, and then we're just playing so slow and it's so heavy and Scott sounds so huge and we, it's just like, this is actually ridiculous. Like, it's, <laughs> it's that's the only emotion you have is just, it's, it's just laughing. It's like... <laughs> It's so I've been a couple of times when the band next door has come in and gone, what are you doing? Yeah. I've just found this band. Oh, cool. check them out. That's, they, and, that's, uh, and that's how we find new music. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. This is the 21st century uh, tape show, <laughs> tape uh, trading. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't have to write letters so- to each other anymore. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I will. Um, after we finish recording, we'll uh, we'll trade uh, bands to listen to because that's uh, what it's about. Um, just coming back to the sharing of members, um, and you mentioned it. I think Adrian said in the scene, "You're like one big band," and it seems that you sort of, in a way, just put your keys in a bowl and sort of uh, away you go. <laughs> pick pick them out, and you're going to go this band, this band. It's really cool that you have that sort of um, support. Uh, circle w- w- with each band but at the same time like l- let's take Scotty for example singing in two bands can it be a bit of a hindrance to uh, say your main project let's take Bear Pit can it be a hindrance like if he's doing 
focus on that? Do you take him for the weekend? Is it like sharing a child sort of thing? <laughs> I think it's uh, it doesn't really affect us too much. We're a pretty part-time band in terms like we're not a. I mean, I live in Melbourne now for one. We don't live in the same state. Um, but even when we were, you know, got we've everyone's got kids and jobs and other projects. So we we're, we weren't really like a let's get together every week and like, you know, get this really tight. There's also only a few riffs in each song, so <laughs> too much. Um, but so yeah, and we're also quite picky with gigs. I think we've all like we've all played in various bands in the scene over the last couple of decades, and have done like the kind of hard slogs, playing like you know Wednesday nights to no one and like back to back shows week after week type of shit. And uh, that's kind of not as much what we're trying to do now. I think. Um, and it's kind of worked in our favor actually, because when we have been offered gigs, they're all like really fucking good. <laughs> the couple we've been <laughs> able to play. Um, so yeah, like it's no, it hasn't got to the point, um, just because of our schedule and stuff that it's really been a hindrance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, go on, Matt, go on, Matt. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, Griff would know probably more than, uh, Jack and I in terms of, cause you've just recorded another album with your other band as well. Right. <clears throat> That's yeah. And the, uh, yeah, the last couple of years hasn't, hasn't been as crazy. There was pr- probably 2018. I think it was, I was playing in four bands and filling in for two. And was burial pit started then? I think that, that I think, end of 2018, I, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a bit, uh, and having kids and just trying to, uh, but I I used to just, but I don't I don't know if it's a drummer thing as well. Like drummers seem to be end up being in several bands for some reason. But maybe it's because drummers. Really good drummers. <laughs> just like you sort of see, <clears throat> someone will ask you to play a tour or something, and you go, yeah, that sounds cool. But then you sort of forget how much. It's not just the just the shows you have to play. You have to do rehearsals and you have to learn the songs and then you have to be away in between shows and whatever. But um, I, I think the last couple of years it hasn't been as crazy. And with like my other band, our guitarist also plays in another band that's probably busier than both of us combined or was anyway. So yeah, everyone's sort of in a similar boat and, and if someone can't do something, no one's going to, yeah, we're, we're beyond that point of being like, Oh, you, you were more loyal to that band than the others. Like, (laughs) Oh, oh, we can't do that gig. Bummer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's more, there'll be more gigs. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the uh, Jason Newstead and Metallica. You can't go and do a side project. Yeah. You've got to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I suppose at the end of the day, look, sharing's caring, isn't it? That's what I teach my kids. So you should be doing the same. And, yeah. uh, the, I think uh, one thing as well um, is that, like, Griff and I, for example, have known each other for a long time. But then people that Griff plays with in, uh, in his other band, I was like a best man for one of those guys at their wedding. And a lot of us have been friends for probably nearly 30 years in some cases now. So yeah, it's just like I, this huge group of friends. I wouldn't have known that, you if it oh, wasn't yeah. through my other band. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's just like this huge kind of group of friends that, uh, yeah, we just keep swapping each other. Someone comes up with new riffs and we're like, well, I guess that's a new band then. Better, <laughs> yeah. who, wants to, who wants to join me? <laughs> it does work as well. Like I found like writing for a few different projects at once actually makes all of them um, like a lot more productive. So every time I pick up a guitar now, I might go and try and write something for Burial Pit and nothing's working. But then I write something that works perfectly for another project I'm in and vice versa. So you actually end up churning out shitloads of music because every time you play something, it's going to fit into one of them. So Does it not get confusing work. when you're uh, like at one band practicing, like, right, let's play this song and you come out with completely the wrong riff. And then Matt's like <laughs> yeah. playing some and Adrian's playing some from another band. I'm just open man. strum, man. Open strum. <laughs> That'll just fit right just, in there. Just basically turns into like the berserker. <laughs> just all over the shop. Um, we, yeah, we don't we don't have harpsichord in burial pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, so Blighttown Records then. Um, now watch what you, watch what you say because uh, I'm going to be talking to them uh, at some point in the future. So just watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did did you? Um, did you have the album recorded before Blighttown approached you or did they approach you and say, I want to sign you and release an album? Uh, it was the latter. So we'd put out, we recorded, we put Disgrace out as a single. Um, and then I think Priest might've been out as well. So we recorded Disgrace and Priest with no massive plan other than just to put some tunes out. Um, and it was, I think it was just after I put Priest out that Luke gave us a call. It wasn't even like put an album. He was just um, such a legend. He's just like, I think you guys are awesome. And it's kind of the kind of sound that he wants to get going to kick off his label. So he was more asking like, what do you guys want to do? Like if, if you got an EP lined up, you got to put an album out, um, which then kind of encouraged us. It kicked us into gear a bit. Cause I think we might've ended up just putting the odd song out here and there, or do a couple of EPs or something. But then with his backing and his enthusiasm for it, he was just so keen. Um, that actually kind of encouraged us all and probably inspired us all to be like, oh, well, people might actually like us. Uh, let's turn this into an album. So we had, I had the, we had the other songs written and um, we just re-recorded Disgrace and Priest because I thought they deserved to be on a vinyl if they were coming out. Um, and then just chucked the other couple of tracks in. So did he have... Um... Because this is something that these days um, isn't so common. If we go back to, say, the 80s or 90s, record contracts were a huge thing. Like, you know, um, let's take Motley Crue for argument's sake. They'd get an advance on their record deal. They'd get millions, like, and then they'd see millions after. <laughs> these days, with streaming and everything coming in, the record contracts... They're obviously still out there, but for underground bands especially, it's not as um, profitable, let's say. So did... Just shy of the millions. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, the the way it went down was fairly similar to the the movie The Dirt. (laughs) (laughs) You were just... (laughs) Except, um, yeah... Lose Except it, not it. millions of dollars. No, not, not at all. It was Nothing pretty much, um, again, so he, um, we were their first kind of signing. <clears throat> so I think we kind of, 
you know, everyone was very transparent and he kind of asked what we wanted more to the point. Um, and what we had in mind is like, do you guys need recording time or, you know, do you need this? Do you need this? What do you want to do? Um, and ours was very DIY. Um, or GIY, Griff, <laughs> Griff did everything. Um, but so we like, we can, I guess, get into that more another time. But so we already were able to record it all ourselves. So, you know, we're just like, what if we, we'll, we'll sort out all the digital shit. We'll do all the recordings. Um, and then if you want to do the physical release, that'd be fucking awesome. And he was like, that's fucking sick. So he did the, yeah, did the vinyl and prints the merch for us. Um, so, so sorry, coming back to my um, point about record contracts, usually it would be the record company would pay for studio time, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you release the album, once you, uh, through sales, once you sort of meet the money you've already borrowed, then you make money after that. But did you pay for this recording yourself? Like, did you go into the studio yourself and pay for it? Or did uh, Luke, I'm not asking for figures now, but did Luke put some uh, money yeah, yeah, so, into? So we, no, I think we spent maybe like 150 bucks <laughs> recording <laughs> the album. The, I think like we the, booked a studio. The drums, Actually, no, that wasn't even the, for the album. Yeah, yeah, that was. No, uh, no well, the, the studio we did the drums at, we only did the drums at a studio and that was a mate of mine studio. And I asked him how much he wanted after we after we had done it and he said oh just give me a bottle of wine <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no way. so and then we did the rest pretty much um in this room and uh vocals we just where do we do those we uh, did those at, at the rehearsal studio yeah yeah so it was very hands-on yeah and i mixed it and griff basically did everything so yeah we're obviously extremely grateful saved us a fortune. for that yeah saved us a fortune yes. and, and in my opinion it sounds absolutely like i don't think it could have sounded any better than the way yeah. it sounds oh did, so. yeah totally it's got the the production itself as well when you hear it is is very i don't like to use the word polished because that makes it sound but you've really captured like the the way the album should be violent, but also you can hear pretty much everything in the mix, which is really good. Um, so, Excellent. so you mixed it yourself, and you, did you master it yourself, or did that go no, we, elsewhere? We had that mastered by Brad Boatwright, who's in the states. He's done everything from Converge to Dillinger Escape Plan and oh, nails, a lot, lot of stuff. Yeah, nails, oh. yeah, heap, heaps of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, um, but that's. <laughs> but I think I think that keep, keeping it close to to home is kind of how we. It's how I like to do things, and I, I guess as a band as well, because you're just having. Just we we know exactly how we want to sound, and it's just as long as we can figure out how to make us sound like we sound live that's the the main goal is to because <clears throat> we're we're really like at the end of the day we're a live band if, if if we could just capture we did it we we ended up having to do a live stream instead of our album launch show in melbourne 
um, just just before we were about to go, we had to the borders got shut down and we had to cancel that show. So we ended up saying let's do a live stream at our rehearsal room, and I think that the way that turned out after a little bit of mixing afterwards was not that far off the album. Like that's that's how we play live, and we're definitely not one of those bands that you go and see live after hearing their album, which is amazing. And then seeing them live and going, yeah, that's all just trickery. Like, Yeah. Am I right in saying you've, um, you're, you've rescheduled that release show for, I think it's exactly a year afterwards. Yeah. It was like a year to the day. Well, so maybe it's one day out. Yeah. I think this year. Yeah. Uh, Going to try yeah. again this time. This year. Yeah. End of May. Um, so, I don't want to know um, the, the how much it costs to make the album, but from what I'm understanding, hundred dollars, <laughs> hundred dollars and a bottle of wine. Yeah, no, the, the bottle of wine was a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of bands these days, and I was talking to a band yesterday actually who did the same thing. They recorded it basically in a bedroom, and the vocal booth was like. A, literally a closet uh wardrobe whatever so it's actually incredible these days that you can record an album of like take your subhuman scum which sounds so good without a studio pretty much and without having to shell out loads for like like, like adrian mixing it is this the first time you've done it or is this sort of like your forte are you have you done it a few times no it's it's not what i do for a profession but it's like i've done it a lot of times before and it's i guess that's where yes you can do it all at home but you it takes a lot of years of just trial and error and figuring out what how to make this like what do you have to do to get that to sound like that like you could i i'm a firm believer you can just as long as you have decent enough gear and you get the right amount of signal in and you sort of know how to put it together you can you could do anything anywhere but it the time it takes to figure out how to do that i guess is where the the cost is <laughs> so are you available for uh bands <laughs> to send on their uh mixes yeah do you wanna, yeah. send them <laughs> sounds so Antian. enthusiastic yeah. At and Griffin at gmail.com. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad inside joke. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely, um, I love, I love making music and mixing, and um, that's what I'd love to do as a, as a profession. But um, I, it's uh, yeah, I, I basically, uh, what was I trying to say? <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess that yeah everything comes at a cost i suppose like we yes we were able to save on studio time and but um we just had to get a bit creative with how we did things and it saved us money but it cost griff time i think that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah i i really like that <clears throat> aspect of it though that it is kind of a diy kind of thing you know i guess a lot of us have been playing in bands for so long we kind of know, music aside, we know what we want out of the band experience, I suppose, like in terms of what we want to deliver live. And I guess um, 
just what we want to produce really like as a group of people we've been doing things like this for so long it's just like we've refined it that much and i guess kind of to jack's point before where we were like we never wanted to play shows every weekend we're like let's just do good shows and play really fucking well and we started doing that and then the similar thing with the recording and so well we can just do this ourselves let's just do it really fucking well you know ourselves and I think it's cool and that seems to be a common thing with the, with the band, you know, because we've only been together for a couple of years. But um, I definitely think that DIY mentality is seems to be almost the, the core of the band in a way. And it must be nice as well to have it done by um, Adrian and one, one of the band, like because it sort of keeps that uh, personal touch. Like, you know, you hear... Um, you know, stories of bands going into the mixing and, you know, arguments over, oh, no, that needs to be louder, that needs to be quiet, blah, blah, blah. But I suppose with Adrian, like, and you know each other so well, other than the mastering, it's pretty much 100% your album, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then even with Griff, you know, mixing it, you know, we all have very similar tastes in music. Um, so I, I, I guess the, the picture we have in our own minds of what we want it to sound like, is the same picture that Griff has in his mind, you know, so because we all kind of share those musical tastes and yeah, it definitely kind of puts, well, you know, Adrian's touch on it, but then it, it's all, it's also like makes it more ours, I suppose. Yeah. It's definitely um, like with a, with a band, it's always, you, there's never just one person that's responsible for the whole, like it's such a team effort. Like everyone has, a part to play and um, it all, it's sort of like you, you take one thing out and it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't it, work, yeah. It has to be all, all these things coming together. And if we, maybe if we hired a studio and did it the proper way and, you know, it might just lose some of that rawness or something, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's what's cool as well is that like as the band has progressed, we've all just kind of, taken like we have we've never really discussed you know what jobs each person's going to do in the band we've all just kind of taken the thing that we we like and we're good at and just taken that responsibility on mm. um we've never really had to sit down and have a discussion about who's going to do this or you know whose responsibility it is to i don't know get this fucking instagram post on or whatever it is like we never really have those discussions it's just like everyone just knows what they're good at and just does the thing which makes it so easy, you know. Um, yeah. So, so finally, then, what's next for Burial Pit? What's twenty twenty two looking like? Hopefully, play a fucking show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just started like again. I know you were talking to the old guys last week. They just cancelled their Sydney show today. Oh um, no way! Because they started shutting down venues and shit again. But um, well, we've got I've got got plenty of. Uh, material so i think we're just going to try and kind of pick up where we left off in the middle of the year i think uh, we started to get some really good momentum had some six shows booked um so hopefully by mid this year you don't want to say anything uh don't want to jinx it but hopefully by middle of this year we'll start just picking up that momentum again play some six shows and then um yeah should be i reckon we'll have some recording done before the end of the year and by the time you sort of get the wheels in motion, it'll be, you know, the end of the year, bef- at least before we can get it all recorded and 
And uh, <laughs> we've done like a handful of shows for this album. It would be awesome to do some more for that. Yeah, yeah. But it would be nice to also have another album ready to go and just because uh, when everything opens up again, <laughs> if, it, yeah. if it ever does. Please. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the songs are there. We've got, we've got plenty of material. It's just time and COVID. Yeah. We need, need those things to work together and should be laughing. Well, fingers crossed that um, you do get out because it would be great for this material to be played live. Just uh, one final thing. Do you want to um, shout out where we like to give the bands the opportunity uh, to shout out where they can get merch and physicals, etc.? Is it through Bandcamp is the best thing or platforms yours uh yeah i think is it through Blighttown's Bandcamp? is that the best or uh our Bandcamp uh directs to them anyway uh, yeah so just be yeah, a burial pit uh on Bandcamp. uh yeah in europe uh the hammer of exile i don't remember what the url is for that though do you guys know what that is i'm gonna take a pun and say hammer of exile.com dot, uh, no hammer of exile <laughs> dot eight merch dot com um yeah that's the european web store and yeah just on all the streaming services really for for digital stuff we're pretty much everywhere now got a couple of videos up on youtube uh also two clips for two of the songs off the album um so yeah just and the live streams up there as well yeah that yep from our failed show yeah (laughs) (laughs) wicked um well listen matt adrian and jack thank you so much for joining me uh today or this evening um so this is burial pit the album subhuman scum and um really really good album lads it's uh crushing brutal violent sludge and if you like the band then please support buy physical go to a show if you're in australia be a hell of a trek from <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, no, buy physical, buy merch, and support the underground. Thanks, guys, and Thanks I would so definitely much. be speaking to you uh, again. Thanks, heaps, man. Absolutely. Really Thanks it. so much, man. Really appreciate your time.